0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. wrestling illustrated podcast i'm your host pwi senior writer al castle back once again with my co-host brian solomon how's it going
1: brian going pretty well al thanks and glad to be back here again
0: yes i think we're both kind of sleepy (laughs) this morning (laughs) doing this on a a friday morning how's your summer so far
1: well my my son is not in any kind of a day camp at the moment he's he's done with all day camp for the summer so it's me and him and if i sound a little bit tired (laughs) Yet also happy at the same time? That's the reason why. Tired and yeah. happy, being a parent, that's what it is. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's
0: like, you know, same. Like, my kids are are obviously home during the, the summer, and it's like on top of work, on top of everything else. It's like, I've got to entertain these kids somehow, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? you got to break, break up crazy. the day.
1: Yeah. I can't just ignore them all day. You know, I mean, like, I know I don't judge people. I know there's some parents that just put them in front of a TV for eight right. hours or in front of a, an iPad for eight hours. I just can't in good conscience, do it a couple Same of it. hours. Sure. I stop at then... seven
0: and a half hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I have time. I it's, it's like part of the day. You can do that a little bit. I'll do a little bit of work, but then we, we're going to hang out or I'm going to, you know, stimulate, create some kind of stimulation because I, I just can't. It makes me feel icky as a parent to do that. Yeah. Anyway. No,
0: I, I agree. But then you will like running out of ideas and, and uh, I don't know, not to make this a parenting conversation, but like
1: I've got a the parenting years. podcast, <laughs> parenting, <laughs> parenting and wrestling illustrated, PWI. When they get when they get to the uh, the the age of mine, fourteen
0: and twelve, it's like. It, you know, a, a, a switch flips, and all the stuff that like was fun for summers for so many years isn't isn't anymore. You want to go to the pool? Like, no. Yes. <laughs> you know. You want to go to the, the beach? No.
1: Yeah, I got I got to that point with my older kids, but now with my my young guy who's six, it's like hitting the reset button. So we're not there yet which yeah, I kind of like so but
0: fun. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there actually is a wrestling news to talk about, uh, other than just a parenting <laughs> stuff here. Um, and uh, a little later at the end of the, of the show, we got a fun interview. It's been a while bef- since we've didn- done one of these. This one's kind of a short one. It was part of a uh, a, a promotional kind of junket day for the new season of Heels, um, the uh, the drama series on Stars. Um, that is a kind of uh, a fun fictional telling of a a pro wrestling territory and um, a family uh, that runs it. I got to talk to Stephen Amell and uh, Alexander Ludwig, the the two stars uh, of the series. They play Jack and Ace Spade, Um, had a few minutes with them. Um, Some of you might know Stephen Amell. He's got uh, some history in wrestling. Um, made appearances in WWE and and I think he's wrestled for both WWE and AEW good friends with Cody Rhodes we talk a little bit about that uh so a fun conversation you know one of the things we talk about um and and kind of relevant we're gonna be talking a little bit about SummerSlam and and Logan Paul getting this big match uh with Ricochet is sort of like um the the new era of celebrity wrestlers and how it it's not enough to do kind of the the Jay Leno thing anymore that the expectations are are really high now for celebrity wrestlers. And, um, you know, we've seen it with Bad Bunny. We've seen it with uh, Logan Paul. And Stephen Amell talks about how he thinks some of this might even kind of uh, date back to him, that he was something of a pioneer in a a celebrity wrestler that took it seriously. So uh, a a fun, short conversation. Um, Stay tuned for that. Uh, And also we're going to be talking. I I, I think where the conversation is going to go today is kind of, uh, dissecting the different philosophies between AEW and and WWE and how they present wrestling. This is kind of a high minded uh, idea I've got here, um, but I, th- I think both shows have been so different as of late. Um, you know, the contrast is huge, and the uh, the success of the two is also pretty different. You know, in terms of audience and what have you. And uh, we'll talk a bit about you know what's the takeaway from that. Uh, But right now, let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is the October issue. We've got uh, the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins, uh, the new Impact Knockouts Champion, Trinity, and uh, CM Punk all on the cover. Kind of uh, a look at the summer in wrestling. A really fun issue. Uh, Trinity is the uh, hot seat interview that I got to do with her, which was a lot of fun. We've got uh, features in here uh, about... Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship uh, about AEW in its fifth year. A really huge, huge section about top prospects. And this was really fun and and, uh, I think was a really heavy lift to put together, Uh, but a very expansive uh, look at uh, some of the the biggest prospects at the independent scene and uh, so much more. Um, So what you want to do is go to pwi-online.com you pick up the one issue. You could, of course, subscribe. Now you can have a, a combo deal where you can subscribe both to the physical print edition and the digital edition. Um, that way, you don't have to wait for the magazine to come in the mail to start reading uh, your uh, PWI. And obviously, the longer you subscribe for, uh, the deeper the savings. Um, you could uh, save uh, almost half off the cover price. And the place to go again is PWI hyphen online. Uh, .com. Getting into our busy season, I think we can say we've we've already met and discussed the PWI 500. I don't know if we've got the whole 500 together, but we've got a good chunk of it, and uh, you're part of that meeting. I mean, no spoilers here, but I'll, I'll say as lively a discussion, uh, maybe even debate, I don't know if we'd call it heated, um, about number one as I can remember, you know and I've been doing this now, what is it, 15, 16 years, um, and... You know, you get years like like last year with, with Roman, where I think everybody comes to the table and it's like, yeah, it, it's Roman. Um, you know, fair to say there was a lot of conversation uh this year, uh, dare I say some some arguing, um, and ultimately uh consensus.
1: Yeah, and and as part of consensus, there's there's always got to be compromise. You know, if you have a debate like that, not everybody is gonna get their way completely, if because of the nature of the debate is people have different picks. So, you know, we we talked it out. I think everybody, well, I can speak for myself. Everybody came away from it feeling good about it, strong about it, feeling that it was justifiable. I think that's important. Even if you say, well, the, the people, the order I wanted or the people I wanted at top or the person I wanted at top may not be there, but, you know, I can rationalize this. I could see it their way. It makes sense to me. I feel good about it. I think everybody walked away that way, at least, or at least I did. Yeah, I
0: thought it was sort of inspiring because, like, um, you know, everybody was sort of so divided, and some some of us agreed, some of us didn't at, at the beginning, and it really, I mean, it was like the 12 Angry Men thing, right? I mean, it was <laughs> like, we're never going to get on the same page uh, about this, and, you know, names that at the beginning, w- some people were like, no way in hell, you know, People made the arguments and and positions uh, changed. And um, again, no spoilers, but fair to say where we ended up um, would be a su- surprise to, to some of the folks who, uh, who went into the meeting and, and I'm sure would not have expected uh, to to arrive at that name. And there are some, uh, I think it's also fair to say, some really interesting names thrown about um, uh, this year, you know, folks who were, were in the mix. I mean, it's usually... You know the kind of like the the, the same names and faces. Um, there was there were discussions uh, about a very kind of like wide range of, of people. Don't want to get too much out of that. So that's uh, coming up next. I still have you started work on on it yet?
1: Not yet. No, not yeah. yet. I don't. I don't have the official assignments yet. But I think. hopefully. Yeah.
0: yeah. I talked to Kevin. I I I think I've got the green light to, to get started on on the top ten. So. There goes the uh my next several weeks. But yeah, obviously that's not one you you want to miss. That that's probably the biggest thing we do uh all year. Um, and then we get into you know the ranking season, the, the women's list, the tag team list, before you know what we're doing, the awards. So um head on over to pwi onlinecom Actually, that's two issues from now. The next one is the PWI poll, uh, which I helped put together with Kristen and um you know, maybe that is a a, a good transition, actually, to, to this discussion, because um, two of the questions that, that I and I don't want to give spoilers too much of of the poll, either 50 questions about pro wrestling um, and a legit poll. We polled uh, a readers and two of them that were back to back. And I think it's ones that we we do every year. There's some that you'll see every year was uh, what promotion has the best in-ring wrestling and in-ring action and what promotion has the best storytelling. And, um, I mean, I think it's okay to say it. AEW ran away with one and WWE ran away, um, with the other. And and you can guess which is which. And, uh, again, I don't, I can't remember times since, since AEW launched where those differences have been so stark and talking about WWE, you know, um, since we last uh, recorded, we had Money in the Bank, we had uh, the the kind of final implosion of of the Bloodline uh, with uh, and and the shock of Jay Uso pinning Roman Reigns, setting up SummerSlam. Uh, you know th- that whole storyline. And when we were last talking, it felt like you know, are we kind of getting pat, you know, close to the uh, expiration date? And it feels like there's kind of you know new blood, new 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 breath uh, about into it. Um, and, um, meanwhile, and, and the numbers have been huge, right? I mean, I think, um, uh, SmackDown last week or the week before that, uh, uh, set some kind of record. I think it was the first time that a wrestling program beat all shows on, um, American broadcast American television. I think a, a Univision show, um, got a bigger audience, but it beat everything else and, you know, there's just no toys about it. WWE's doing huge numbers right now. They were in Madison Square Garden a couple of weeks ago, and this is the kind of thing where, like, you know, last second I might, I might look at getting tickets, and the tickets were through the roof. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. was uh, it was such a hot ticket for an episode of SmackDown. Uh, meanwhile, over on on AEW, uh, you know, they've got their share of, of storylines and sports entertainment. Certainly with with Adam Cole and MJF, that stuff is very kind of sports entertainment, entertainment heavy. Um, but clearly the, 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 focus, the priority there is like star ratings, right? You know, and, and, um, you know, to that end, they've been doing great, right? I feel like every other week they've got a match that Dave Meltzer is calling the best match of the year. You know, we saw it with, um, uh, Kenny Omega, and Will Ospreay at Forbidden Door. There was a tag team match mm-hmm. last week on Collision. with was uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson versus FTR. That was, you know, another hour classic. Had blood and guts uh, this past week, which being talked about is, you know, one of the great war games matches uh, of all time. I don't know what it's worth, you know. I mean, I think um, um, Dynamite had, a, by its standards, had a pretty good number um, this week. But we've talked about how certainly Collision isn't setting the world on fire. You, you see images of some of these arenas for AEW, and they're not exactly packed. Um, I'm going to Collision tomorrow night in uh, in, nice. in Newark. I'll be curious to see what that, I don't know, a single match on it, and I'll be curious to see what kind of crowd they do in kind of that New York market. Um, but, you know, one big setup, and and I guess the question is, like, what what's the takeaway here about, what is the, the right way to present wrestling? And we talk about if it works, it it works. And, you know, do do the two different kind of portions of WWE and AW suggest that, you know, one way is the right way and one way is not?
1: Well, you would hope, or at least I would hope in a perfect world that you could have a balance of both, right? I mean, there are a lot of fans <clears throat> that love the athleticism. They want to see great matches, but you, you can't just do it cold. You, I'm not saying AEW does it cold. They don't. But... You know, you'd like to have a reason for the matches. You'd like to have investment. You'd like to care. You know, this isn't the Olympics, right? We need this is professional wrestling. And one thing I think that's different between the two companies and look, you can look at the numbers and just see what at least seems to be more appealing to building a wide, broad general audience. That's the thing, which AEW doesn't seem to be doing right now or seem to be showing that they're able to do. They have their core audience, they have their you know, X hundred thousand people that would watch a test pattern if they put (laughs) it on, right? Those people are there, the 800,000 watching dynamite or whatever it is, half a million watching collision. And I think, but I think if that's what you want to do, great. But I just, my my understanding, what I don't understand is if you're in the business at that high level and competing at that high level, and there's that much money invested, this is not an indie, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Why wouldn't you want to grow your audience beyond that? That's the thing. Sometimes I get disheartened by the WWE audience, which seems to sometimes send the message of like, hey, you know what? If you want, Vince, you could just do a two-hour show of talking and we would love it. You know, like I was I was shocked at what happened with the Garden SmackDown because a Madison, or something
0: right, something, right, there were
1: three matches. Now, they they gave them a dark match, world heavyweight title match for the live crowd. But if I went to that show again, whatever, I'm a, I'm I'm a middle-aged man, say what you want to say. If I bought tickets at that price and went to Madison Square Garden to see WWE, and I saw three, even four matches and be sitting there for what was probably for them almost three hours, I would be kind of pissed off. No matter how compelling those bloodline segments are, and they are. Um, I think they're leaning so heavily into it now because of the great response that they're getting. That they're saying, "Great, let them sit there, let them let them talk for a half hour. This is great TV. People love it. You know, why should we rein it in?" I get that. Again, like I, I wish there could be some kind of balance because then I see things like, you know, there was this thing that made the rounds that Vince Russo on his podcast was talking about, where it's almost like he's doing like a victory lap, saying like, "See, I was right. You know, people don't like wrestling. People want." Drama and characters. And it's like to me, he represents an extreme of that thinking where he's like just saying uh, the matches need to be really short. People don't care about him. This is really essentially what he's saying like, just move on, give them characters, give them drama without understanding that the matches are a major part of the storytelling. The matches should be where a lot of the drama is. So you can't just have promos and segments and vignettes. You can't build angles and storylines and then have the matches be an afterthought. That was the mistake I feel that he made 25 years ago, which was great for a couple of years, and then imploded because it's not sustainable. So I think there's lessons to be learned here. You know, If you're doing a pro wrestling show, you have to build it around the idea of pro wrestling. I'm not saying, again, it needs to be like the Olympics or, or like UFC where it's just matches. Obviously not. But it needs to be built around the idea that the matches are where the feuds are settled, and and where the programs are built around, and the grudges and the titles, like everything else, is is the salad dressing or the window dressing or whatever analogy you want to give. So I'd love to see. It's a complicated answer to a complicated question. I'd love to see a balance. However, you can't argue with WWE's success right now, and I think that AEW, if they want to, you know really compete at that level, they have to take that into account because look, that's what, that is what Vince established in the eighties. You know, I mean, wrestling was huge before Vince. We don't want to feed into that myth that, you know, wrestling didn't exist before Vince in the territory days. You know, they had their, their sections and regions and fiefdoms that did really well, but nobody had broken through on a national level. Nobody was creating a product that was drawing in people that even didn't give a damn about wrestling um, until he started doing what he did, which was to break the mold a little bit. And that kind of changed the paradigm, as they say. So I think I think that Tony Khan and AEW would be wise to listen to that, at least if they want to break out. Because, look, no one's going to deny they are – some of these matches are phenomenal. I'm not going to agree with you on the blood and guts. I really thought that was a horrible mess. No, it's I'm with you. I,
0: I, I, uh, I'm not – Praising it, but I think it is getting praised.
1: Yeah, but that tag team match with the FTR and and uh, no, it wasn't FTR. I'm sorry, it was was ju- it? No, it was ju- no because that right now I'm getting all mixed it's up. Juice,
0: it was Juice and uh, it Jay was White. FTR. I'm sorry. Yeah, I get FTR.
1: Yeah, it was so great. I couldn't remember who was in it. Right? <laughs> F- FTR it. versus Nothing versus uh Bullet Club Gold. Juice Robinson right. and 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 Jay White was amazing. Like one of the most incredible tag team matches I've ever seen. Kenny Omega versus uh, Will Ospreay, again, an unbelievable match, very possible match of the year candidate for people like us. I love that stuff. And certainly for people who listen to this podcast and read PWI, I think those are the more kind of serious fans, the really dedicated fans where wrestling is part of your lifestyle, right? They're going to love and eat that stuff up, but you have to sometimes get outside the bubble. And I think it does take more than that if you want to have a giant mainstream audience, if that's what you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably oversimplifying it by saying um, or, or suggesting, you know, there's the one company that does the the storylines, the drama, and there's the other company that does the the wrestling, the work rate. You know, in reality, there's tons of great wrestling on on WWE, certainly on the um, what do they call these days, PLEs. You know, and um, for for what you're saying, um, maybe that's the right formula. And if the idea is to 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 build anticipation for a fight, well, that's what you're building anticipation, right? That, that's the end goal of storylines is the pay-per-view, the, the PLE. And um, WWE has not, you know, struck out um, on a, a PLE in a long time. I mean, they, they've got quite the streak of really good shows with really good wrestling, Yes. Uh, on them in, including money in the bank which was was really terrific and even week to week you know that that Madison Square Garden show was something of an anomaly you know I I I don't you know most uh WWE TV shows do have more more wrestling content they're usually good for uh, a Sami Zayn Kevin Owens you know 15 20 minute main event something like that that are usually pretty good or something with the Usos so um that that is a little bit of an anomaly the flip side of that is... AEW you know also has uh, really intriguing compelling you know storylines uh as well you know the blood and guts was was the blow off to one but but we've seen that feud between the uh, the Elite and uh, the BCC play out over months and months and months and the stuff with Don Callis and Kenny Omega and uh you know even more lighthearted stuff like MJF and Adam Cole so they I'm sure both Tony Khan and Triple H would say, what are you talking about? You know, we we do those things, too. There are two very good dishes, you know, one's got a little more salt and one's got a little more sugar in it.
1: Yeah. And I also want to say to, that's true. because You made me think of something I'm, I had meant to say, too, is that and this complicates the issue even more. I think part of this debate depends even on. What, how you describe what you call a great match? I don't right. think it's as simple as that. I love Dave Meltzer. I'm a Wrestling Observer subscriber. I am a, a disciple of Meltzer. But also, it has to be said that his judgment of matches, his criteria, his taste and aesthetic has colored a lot of this, too, of what's considered a great match or not. And I think at times he's even admitted that, you know, this is a guy who much prefers the Japanese wrestling style, for example, to yep. the American wrestling style. And so I think sometimes you have to really be very outside the box in your thinking about it because WWE has great matches. They may not be the kind of great matches that the AEW fans love or whatever. I think Roman Reigns has an awesome match every time he's out there. Yeah. I think for example on Raw, you know, everyone's talking about the tag team match with FTR. It was amazing and 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 it was better than the example I'm going to give, but still um this week what was it um the, the the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens match against Judgment Day yeah. was, what was that on, um was it on Raw? It That's was cool. on Raw. Yeah, It was awesome. It was a fantastic tag team main event. But again, I think like it depends on what you mean. Does it mean you're doing a thousand moves and there's no psychology and nobody's selling and everybody's doing 18 kickouts and near falls and people love that? Or does it mean that it has sound psychology and it's and it's planned yeah. out in a careful way? And there's a lot of character work in the match, character work in the match. Like, that's why people will say, look, you know, the classic example, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, right? One of the greatest matches of all time. Those guys barely moved, you know? Yeah, so, like, yeah. what's your definition of a great match? That's part of it, too.
0: I, I think a, a really good example of, of what you're talking about was the main event of, of Money in the Bank, the Usos versus Roman and Solo, mm-hmm. which was very paint by numbers, right? At, at least the, the first half to two-thirds of that match. I mean, they, they were not doing anything particularly special in that match. It was even, again, for, for, for the uninitiated, if you just sit down and you watch that without the context of, of um, the, the storyline of that match, it, it was even boring uh, at times, but when it got going, you know, and hit that crescendo, that was a great match at the end. And it was a great match because I, I can't, I mean, I might have to go back to, you know, Brock Lesnar and, and the Undertaker at WrestleMania 30 in terms of a, of a finish or a pinfall that had me. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 my jaw dropped when, when they uh, pinned Roman Reigns and they, they do such a, you know, they've done such a good job with, Building the, the 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 foundation, kind of like the 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 rules of this whole thing. That you know, when the follow up, uh, and it was this was at the garden, right? Um, where Rome gets on on one knee and and he put you know he he puts the uh, the, the lay on on Jay. It was just riveting. Again, right. I mean, you we know, talk about about all the time. This was call the kids <laughs> in from the other room, <laughs> television, and and my kids who these days you know don't care much. They saw that and they're like, oh. <laughs> it, it's right. shocking right i mean Roman see- on, on one knee like cr- crowning jay and then obviously it's the swerve and all that we were waiting for that but just riveting riveting stuff you know um it is is this triple h right because you know wwe Vince McMahon's, you know love drama that 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 is his vision for wwe but um you know for for, for a long time now we've talked about the bloodline as one of the great wrestling storylines uh, of all time. I'm getting to the point where we might be able to remove one of the, I mean, right. I can't remember. In, I've been watching wrestling for 40 years. Um, I can't remember a better
1: storyline. Yeah. I mean, I, it would have to be up there. Like I, I always point to, cause, cause one of the reasons why is it just keeps going and going and it keeps being engaging. Um, it, the one that comes to mind for that for me is always, um, Austin versus McMahon, but even that one, and look, bloodline may get to that point too. Austin versus McMahon, people don't remember the bad stuff. People don't remember yeah. how it went on. It went on too long. And, and, and what were
0: the payoffs really? I mean, right. they had some matches, but but um yeah, I mean, I think that was more like an era, right? I mean, yes th- than a specific yes. storyline, right? I mean, uh, because uh yeah, there were there was a lot of stuff there that, that wasn't very good.
1: But it also goes to show, and this is one thing where they have in common, both of those is if you if you invest in the building of the storylines, the establishment of the characters and who they are in a really engaging way and 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 sort of setting the rules like you said, and really and the character work they do, it does a lot of the heavy lifting for yeah. you because you could do a match where, like you said, somebody does, a suplex and people are flipping out, losing their minds. Whereas in a cold match or in a match between two guys where you're saying, Oh, these are two of the greatest wrestlers in the world. where do you see this match. Right. If they, if they just do a suplex, you're like, okay, what's next? But you, if know. You, you know what I mean? Like it does the yeah. work for you. Whereas if you're not doing all that and you're just relying on, and I have air quotes like great wrestlers and great wrestling. If you're just relying on that, you have to work a lot harder, and you see how they do. You have to really work a lot harder to get people to care and get people yep. invested. You know,
0: that makes me think of of uh, uh, Brian Danielson and Okada, which I thought, well, this has to be, like, an eight-star match or
1: something. You're talking about two of, like, the very greatest. And it was good. It was, like, it was a it good was match. It was good. It was, it was okay. was the best know- match of the night. And you know an yeah. example of that. Look, because I don't want to sound like, oh, we love WWE. We're bashing AEW. Um, an example of where WWE fell into that trap. If people may not remember this, a few years ago, when they did, and I'm not saying there was no storyline, but AJ when they, yes, AJ Styles versus <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura at WrestleMania, and everybody's saying, oh my god, this is going to be the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. This is going to be like having a Tokyo Dome match yeah. at WrestleMania, right? And it fell flat, and it was, it was dull. Like ben- And it was, it was not died. It was okay. It was a decent average match to the point where I think, wasn't there a story that like Vince was disappointed when they came back, he was just sort of like, the reaction was like, that was it. Like that's, that's what it was. Like even he would had higher hopes for that match than what it delivered. But that's an example of when they did it, they relied too much on the names of those guys, the expectations of how good they were in the ring. You, you need, you just need more.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing that made me think about that kind of in, in the opposite, you know, in terms of making a little thing count was, was seeing the pop when MJF and, and Adam Cole hit the, the double clothesline, yes. uh, right? Yes. I mean, it's like, right, because you, you you set that up, right? You set that up over over weeks and weeks and then the payoff for such a dumb move and, and the crowd goes nuts. Um, but, you know, this is clearly... AEW's uh, game plan, their strategy. We're going into Wembley stadium, 70,000 people. We don't have a match. Right. And I don't even know. I mean, I guess Cole and, and uh, uh, MJF, they, they could pull the trigger on, on that. You know, there, there's a pay-per-view, I think a week after that or something like that. With them. There's
1: all in and all out a week. apart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so, my sense is that and, and maybe I'm wrong, but but I, I kind of can't imagine how I could be wrong, is that the idea is gonna be let's put on a lot of really good wrestling matches, right? And I mean the tickets are sold, so so I guess it doesn't kind of make a difference. Uh but I just don't know. And and I think you really touched on it. What what you end up doing is is super serving the audience that you have, right? So for, for the fans that love Work rate, love you know the, the Dave Meltzer rating system and and, and that kind of thing. Um, they're going to enjoy it, but just objectively looking at it, that that's not a universe that that is growing. On that point, I mean, this is sort of related, but there's some news that came out this week about um, I guess AW potentially moving to uh, monthly pay per views, um, and uh, you know, do, do you have? I I, I wonder if the demand is uh, there and if it is, it is, you know, and, and that's great, but they're, they've now got, and this is, you know, we talk about like pitfalls and, and, and look, if they're making money, if Warner, if, if Warner uh, brothers wants to keep on throwing money at them that, yeah, you put on as much wrestling as, as they want from you. But now you've got two hours Wednesday night, you've got an hour Friday night, you've got another two hours uh, Saturday night. Um, I don't even know if they're still doing dark and all that stuff. Plus, you know, ring of honor, Uh, What's the pay-per-view tomorrow? uh, Tonight. uh, tonight. Is it tonight? Yeah. Death death
1: before dishonor, Al. Come on.
0: Yeah, I didn't even know that it was in in Jersey. I mean, um, uh, and now monthly pay-per-views. I mean, um, does does this give you reason for concern? Or is the reality is that this this is the formula that has worked for pro wrestling now for close to 30 years?
1: Well, what I talked about, when I've talked about this subject, I, you know, it's interesting when WW, when the WWF did it in the nineties, when they switched to monthly pay-per-views at that time, I remember thinking it was a bad idea from a fan perspective. I can understand why they did it, but it, it made things very cluttered. And, but what it did was it, it changed the model of how they were doing business. This is the difference between the two companies. Now, AEW, I mean, they've done a handful, but AEW doesn't do house shows. That's not their thing. They do weekly television, and that's it. Um, th- so that was not what WWF was doing. WWF and still are, they're on the road constantly. And what they would do is in these big gaps in between the pay-per-views, because WWF would only have like three or four, you built your house show programs, and it was all about you remember those days, sure. like between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, there the was, yeah. was a huge gulf of time. You're not building to SummerSlam for months, so you're building up your house show matches, like come to the arena and see this and see that. And there would be matches that paid off and feuds that paid off before you even got to the next pay-per-view. You know? But yeah, you I mean, a- Hulk,
0: Hogan, Hulk Hogan's run as champion was, whatever right. it was, four years. And in that time, how many title defenses were there uh, on pay-per-view? How many dozens of feuds that he had right. that were never paid off on, on, on pay-per pay-per-view, pay-per-view? I
1: mean, I seriously think there was probably like three pay-per-view title defenses in four years. It would be WrestleMania two II and three and the wrestling classic. And that was it. And, right. and, and, you know, there was Saturday night's main event. Those were on right. TV. There were a few of those, but hardly ever, but that's the way the business was then. the difference. So it kind of, the difference with AEW and why I think it's a good idea for them is that since they're not doing house shows. And so there's n- there was nothing to build to in between these huge gaps of time between pay-per-views. So it felt like a lot of stuff was getting lost. Things were happening. And I know we've talked about this. You'd forget what happened. It, there was this huge gulf of time in between giant shows. And so they would do things. They would try to make the dynamite seem more special. They would have, like, themed dynamites and things like that because otherwise it just seems like stuff happens matches happen and then you forget about it the next week which has been a big problem with AEW because they don't have anything else to build to they're not building house show programs so all they're doing is focusing on the weekly television so because pay-per-views are television um I think it helps because then you have these giant TV shows every month or every other month let's say that you can build to that you could have as your destination and I think excuse me I think it would make everything cohere a little bit better because you know it, this it, they're just two different businesses wwf of the 90s and AEW of the 2020s it's a very different business model i think it works for them i i was a little frustrated when wwf did it way back when
0: yeah yeah i think i i largely agree and and if anything you know one of the problems that AEW has is that it it feels like it you know, and it's the kind of thing that, that that maybe down the line you regret complaining about. But I just feel like it's really far between pay per views. Yeah, and um, and 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 what's stranger is even with those huge gaps, sometimes or, or often they're they don't really kind of kick into that third gear promoting a pay per view until two weeks out or something like it. So you really have months of television where you don't want to say it's sort of like directionless, but sometimes you do wonder like. You know, all right. So, so what is the next big feud for for MJF
1: or right or, or
0: what have you? Um, I don't so- think there's
1: a I don't think there's a downside to AEW doing it. That's what I'm trying to say. Like with WWF, there was an upside. There's more pay per view revenue. It's great. You know, of course. But the downside was that they pretty much gave up on their house show business at that point. Right. Like they were admitting like the house shows were right w- were just icing on the cake. They weren't really that important anymore. And a lot of people were sad about that. But with with AEW. There's what what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? You by doing yeah, and
0: it's right? all revenue, and 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 even um, you know, and this goes for 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 all um, issues of like content creation. You know, um, everybody, certainly myself included, have uh, complained over the years about raw being three hours versus two. Triple H has complained about it, um, but the reality is that USA pays them, you know, whatever that is, fifty percent more yeah. to add that that third hour. Um, and if if Warner Media is gonna um, you know, keep on pumping in money and saying give us more, you give them more. You know, that 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 you're in, in the business of, of making money. Um and you're right. I mean if if there's interest in monthly um pay-per-views, even if each one maybe doesn't draw as well as the quarterly ones do it, I mean there there's probably gonna be you know less interest in in each one. Um but WWE's done a good job of um and I guess they're not quite monthly these days, but there's certainly still 10 or so uh, a year. But there are the tent poles, right? I mean, you know that the Royal Rumble is, is special and SummerSlam and WrestleMania. Um, and AEW now has, whatever it is, four or five years of their own tent poles. Um, so they probably could add some shows and still keep a double or nothing and, um, you know, all in and... and What's the other one? Full gear, a uh, feeling uh, a little Revolution. more special. So, uh, yeah. Um, a, a, one of the last things on 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 AW, uh, a lot of uh, a talk over the last couple weeks about these band moves, you know. And and again, th- this sort of like seems to be uh, kind of a contradiction of again wanting to go all in with the action and and the physicality. Um, you know, certainly we saw it in blood and, gu- and guts, um, and yet at the same time. You know this kind of laundry list comes comes out of all these things that that uh, you're not allowed to do. I got to say, by and large, it seemed perfectly reasonable uh, uh, to me. You know, it seemed like responsible stuff. Don't don't go fight in the crowd. It, it seemed like a lawyer went through it, right? You know, uh, and and for for a good reason. Um, and I I actually think it, it's a really good idea to to rein some of these guys in uh, you know we've talked about how some of the frustration we have is that there is you know it is what it is a kind of indie mentality um with, with aw of just go in and get all your your stuff in in the match and um and really to to a flaw sometimes you know i follow some some like a facebook groups that are like uh and this you know there's trolling and it's not totally fair, but like AEW, uh, botches. Um, and some of the stuff really is beyond amateur hour and, and yeah. these are talented uh, men and women, but, but some of these, um, uh, spots that they do are, um, they look bad, they're dangerous. Um, they shorten careers and, um, th- there's a good reason, I think, why you, you don't see a lot of that in, in WWE. And I know, you know, the hardcars will, will criticize, but that stuff shortens careers. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, like a reverse hurricane run or something <laughs> where a guy just can't even see it coming, lands on his head, It's like, yeah, you know. Uh, 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 bumps on the uh, the hard part of an apron and WWE does that all the time too and they always make for like you know that jaw-dropping moment but every time i see them i mean i cringe because there's no give there that's why you do the spots um so when you saw that list anything jump out at you as as unreasonable
1: so there was nothing really that i thought was Bothersome. I think it, the first thing you got to say, though, is a list like that. You know, it's not really meant for fan consumption. You don't yeah. want fans to pull it
0: up if I could find it. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, but um uh, it's far less restrictive than anything WWE has in place, as far as we can tell. That's for sure. And I think it's what any, honestly, it's common sense stuff that any major or serious wrestling company should have in place. See, what I like about it is they're not, yes, there are a few things that are out and out banned, which I think. I don't have any problem with anything that is. But most of the things on there, it's just common sense. They're not saying don't ever do it. I think that's where WWE runs into problems is they're so extreme. It's like all or nothing. Uh, And I don't mean, you know, where it's like you just never do this, never do that, never do this. With the AEW list, it's more like let's talk about it. Let's decide if this is the best time to do it. Literally,
0: because, you know, I'm looking at it approved, you know, and 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 blood and guts would seem to like have violated
1: almost all of these. Not really, because it's like I'm sure they followed the guidelines by saying we're going to clear all this. We're going to plan it. We're going to get the green light. That's what's built into the guidelines. That I like because it's not just where they're saying <clears throat> the source of this, I think, is not just where they're saying we. there's all these things we shouldn't do because they're terrible and they're dangerous or, or they're bad business. The source of it is also people looking at the shows and probably saying, this is all over the place. This is very disorganized. You shouldn't have like four different people getting color all over the card. And if we're going to have somebody in the main event do this spot, this crazy spot, why would we have somebody do it in the opening match? Like, I think a lot of it is that. Let's get everyone on the same page and say, okay, who's doing what? When are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Okay, you're allowed to do this move because it's this situation. You're not allowed to do this move because it makes no sense in your match whatsoever. Like, they're trying to do common sense things, and I, which I think is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I the, the other side of, of AW um, putting so much emphasis on kind of the, the physicality is – you know, put you know, good wrestling aside, you know, is the 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 blood and gut stuff. And I don't just mean mean the match, but but the gore and and um you know, when they they first launched, that was how WWE was sort of dismissing them, right? I and mean, that's how they, I think, they came to the name Blood and Guts, right? Wasn't yes. that Vince uh, said
1: it? Vince used the phrase in a, in, a, in a stockholders call,
0: right? And and at the time, you know, I th- I think there was a lot of thought that like, well, that's kind of an, an unfair characterization of the AEW product. And then you see a match like Blood and Guts, and you think like, well, you know, and <laughs> and you know, there's I don't want to exaggerate, but there's a a, a healthy amount of that. You know th- throughout the product that, that 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 did not happen in the vacuum I thought uh I didn't like it either I, th- I thought it was garbage I mean, you know bed of nails John moxley uh and and I know people love him you know and uh, I, I I think he's a super terrific guy he's the MVP of AEW. he is Mr AEW, uh but but to his own detriment sometimes he just goes too far with this stuff um mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of use for digging a, a spiking to somebody's head and stabbing them with it the the broken glass the the I don't I don't know and um you know just from a business standpoint I, you know the contradiction sometimes I was just uh, thinking the other day how like uh, after Jay Briscoe died they they could hardly mention it because they had uh you know Warner had this issue with
1: some remarks that that Jay had made
0: but you're okay with this being on on television right. you know it's, like it's uh, mind boggling
1: yeah what it's hell? really bizarre that that would be the hill that they would die on of all things. And I'm not defending what he said, but I mean, again, common sense. Think right. about what, 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 you're, what you're putting me. on your show, you know? Yeah. And, and there, there was a lot
0: of blood. And again, it's not the only place. I mean, the AW goes to, goes to that. Well, quite a bit, you know, so uh, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I, but I think it's a good point you make that, that maybe band is not even um, the, the right term, but it's sort of like, Clear it first, right? And mm-hmm. um, I think that's fine, right? I mean, The Undertaker was always able to do his tombstone, even when right were right. banned, because there was understanding that he knows what he's doing, and he could do it safely.
1: That's why I, I wish even WWE would loosen it up a little bit like that and say, like, look, okay, we're not going to say we never do any blood of any kind. If you're in a Hell in a Cell match, and it's this intense, crazy feud, and you guys hate each other, and we're going to have you slamming your head into the gate and all this stuff we're going to allow a little bit of blood in that match. Otherwise it looks dumb. Like again, it's common sense, you know, common sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, we started this conversation talking about like the, the difference in, in the, the presentations and, and, you know, we got blood and guts um, this past week and, and it wasn't that long ago. uh, uh, Last November, we had a WWE's version with, with war games and you couldn't have two more different presentations. I mean, that that's everything that I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. We're, where AEW's was about blood and guts and gore and, and bed of nails and broken glass and shoving spikes in people's heads. And not just that, but also like just crazy bumps all over the place. And WWE's was about, um, you know, which side is Sammy on, right? That, that was the big <laughs> yes, payoff, yes, right. Yes. You know, and when they got that payoff, that crowd went nuts that, you know, I was there in, in Boston for it. and, and, it made that match so great, you know, when, when Sammy low blowed uh, uh, Kevin um and, and proved his allegiance to to the bloodline at the time. This is now, you know, many months ago. But th- this match, War Games, which is kind of sold on, on violence and, and uh all of that, what made that match was the storytelling, you know. Um so it's the different philosophies. Neither's right, neither neither's wrong. Uh, but but um, you know, clearly one company's having um Maybe that's not even fair, but but at least domestically, WWE is having more success. I would say than than AEW. Um, on the topic of of WWE, you know, SummerSlam is now a, a couple uh, weeks away. One of the biggest shows uh, of the year. um I got to say, like if 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 you told me months ago that they would go to Ford Field, SummerSlam, one of the biggest shows of the year, with this card, I would have been surprised. You know, coming off of like. WrestleMania. The thought was: Is this where they do the rematch of Cody and and Roman? Is it something? You know, if not, it's got to be something bigger than that. And it's Roman and Jay. You know, of, of Roman and one half of a tag team, um, and and a match that we saw years ago on on some some B level pay per views. It is the third Brock Cody match. It is the the second Seth Seth-Finn um, match. You know, so a lot of rematches on on such a, a big uh, show. And yet it it feels like a big show. I mean, I mean, I, I think Roman and um Jay feels like a a yes a stadium worthy
1: main event. They made it important, and that's their job. Like that's the job of wrestling promotions. It's like there's so many matches that you could look back on, great memorable matches or or builds, and you go to yourself, well. If we take the build away, like this, really is not a very special match on paper at all. Like, there's a lot of examples like that where you're just like, "Who cares?" But they they set the table. They made you care about, like you said, a match that happened three years ago between Roman Reigns and and a tag team wrestler. You know, on paper, that's what it is. But because of all the work that went into it, that's totally not what it is at this point. And you know, the same with. I feel this is just me. I feel with with Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar, even though I still think never going to stop saying it that Cody Rhodes should be the champion right now. And everything would be, would be better if he was Um, they've made people care about this. It makes sense. It's the rubber match. Now, hopefully if anything in this world makes sense, Cody is going to win this one. Otherwise the whole thing to me seems to be for no reason, Um, but makes people care. I don't know so much if I'm on board with the Seth Rollins and Finn Balor thing. I don't feel like I need another one of that or I need that to happen again as much. Uh, but again, it, it just points to the fact that this is WWE's strength that they will work very hard to make you care about the the matches they have and the people that they're matching up, even if on paper it may not seem like the greatest thing in the world. Whereas I think sometimes Again, doing comparisons, what AEW falls into the trap of is the exact opposite, which is they will be hoping that just seeing these two names versus each other is going to make you care. And, and sometimes we don't really need to do anything else. And and I think that's that's a problem.
0: The, the, the context of, of Seth and Finn that I think they're banking on and, and I, you know, I don't think they're necessarily wrong is the Judgment Day is a really hot act now. Right, you know, and and yes, again, true. kind of full circle. I think they're taking lessons from the bloodline, right, and um, now applying that to the Judgment Day. And and you think about, you know, Judgment Day started this thing with Edge a, a couple of years ago, and kind of wasn't a fully formed idea, and now um, you've got the personalities. You, you've got people kind of looking suspiciously uh, at each other, you know, not not a copy of the bloodline, but but some of the the same dynamics. There's just good storytelling. Right. I mean, kind of a, a, a potential like fight for power. Damien Priest has got the money in the bank. The, the when when he came to the ring in in uh, the, their match, Seth and, and Finn's match. And there was all this kind of like, you know, why are you coming out now? Um, that's all really good stuff. Rhea's a star, right? I mean, Rhea might be one of the biggest stars in WWE. She, she, you know, I'd say is the leader of of Judgment Day. I don't know if she actually is, but I think she's viewed it that way. Dominic is fantastic. Dominic mm-hmm. Dom is so, so great. You know, one of the most overheels in, in all of wrestling. Totally gets it. Pissed off a bunch more fans by winning the, uh, the North American title in NXT, driving everybody crazy. But I, everybody, um, I think, it's is playing their their role so well um, right now. Finn might be the, the least interesting, in a way, of, of all the people in, in Judgment Day um, right now. Um, I think
1: that might be part of it. And he also seems to be the, the one who belongs the least in the group, to me, anyway. I, I always go, like, what is he doing in that group? It yeah. just doesn't feel like a good fit for him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And 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 maybe they they break him out and I always thought he was a better baby face than than the heel, I think. So, um I don't know if that's where they go. What what do you think of the job Damian Priest has been been doing? I thought to, you know, his coming out party was the the Bad Bunny match uh, where mm. where he was just so great and did such a terrific job of of um carrying Bad Bunny and and delivering a terrific performance and you know, I think got the money in the bank, a briefcase as a, a reward. And I could absolutely see him cashing in and, and winning um, the world heavily Todd.
1: I was going to say, I, I kind of think that that might be where this is going. And that might be why they even booked this match again to set up basically an implosion of Judgment Day. Because I think what you're going to what you could very well see is either either um, Seth defeats Finn again and then he's exhausted you know damian priest cashes in wins the title that creates a huge rift between finn and damian priest who basically just feels like you just totally overshadowed me you know i basically like you know softened him up for you or even if you go the other way and you have finn balor now how amazing is that finn balor who held the universe title for like a day right finn right. balor beats seth rollins yay i'm the champion all right five minutes later he loses it to damian priest i mean, again. They could absolutely do that. That's a Judgment Day implosion if that happens. So, I mean, again, this is WWE, right? From a storyline perspective, this match definitely makes sense. I just don't know if I'm that psyched to see it, you know, as much as a match. And, again, I know I don't want to just be the guy who's like, well, this person should have won that and this person should have won that. But I'm also in the camp of, like, why didn't L.A. Knight get that briefcase? I mean, I felt like that was the move. And so I'm still harboring my my bitterness from that of the people who are like, well, La Knight is 40 years old, blah blah blah, <laughs> and I'm like, Damien Priest is 40 years old, you know. Yeah. So I mean, uh, you know, I think um, with what we've got, without all the fantasy booking, I I can kind of see where it's going, and it does make sense from a storyline point of view.
0: I, I want to come back to La Knight in a second, but um, um again on the world heavyweight title, I, I do think like some of this stuff is making the case for the creation of the World Heavyweight title having been a good idea. I mean, wh- whether the, it, they they did it the right way, it was a little clumsy, the, but um, there is a case to be made for having two world titles because there is some genuine intrigue ab- about this title and there is the thought that, oh yeah, you know, Finn could beat Seth, Damien could cash in and he could become champion. It doesn't feel, you know, and, and, and it is a byproduct of, of Roman being so strong in that role, but, you know, we talk about being excited to see Jay Uso and, and Roman Reigns, and I'm really excited. I think Jay's been one of the the, the highlights of of all of WWE, and and I I've said the MVP of of the bloodline storyline, but I don't think anybody seriously thinks that that Jay Uso is beating Roman Reigns for for the uh, the, the world title. Um, so, you know, I, I I like having a world title that is kind of like you know in the mix, right? I mean that 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 you you could see it lost and and won on any given day.
1: I like it too. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to dispute what they're doing with Seth is working. I still think there were different ways to do it. You know, yeah. I'm st- I'm still thinking like, yes, this is working with this belt and everything. But then on the flip side of it, I look and I go, I still don't know if it justifies having the two world titles because I look at Roman and I go like, he doesn't really need it. Like yeah. everything that's happening right now would be at but the ben same totally level without it.
0: Yeah, but then Cody right. would have it and 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 uh but you know Cody but would I feel also like, be kind of like a beatable champion. Yeah.
1: Right, but I think there's still a way, I guess what I'm saying is to to bundle everything up into one world title and have it matter and then still be able to do your alternate main event program, right? Like you, like they used to have A and B shows without necessarily needing another world title. It could still be a main event with huge stars without necessarily needing a world title like it's like you know Wrestlemania 8 if they did Wrestlemania 8 today you would have had Ric Flair versus Randy Savage for the WWF title and then you would have had Hulk Hogan versus Sid Justice for like the universal title right that's how they would have done it you don't need to do it they didn't need it then and I don't think they need it now you don't need to have a world title to have a main event yeah, yeah. Going
0: back to L.A. Night, I, I have a feeling we may disagree some here. It, it is fascinating what, what's happening with him. And, um, you know, we, when, when we were were raving about the N.W.A. a couple of years ago, he was one of the, the yes. real highlights. I mean, that was that I know he was on, on impact before that. And that's where I first um, saw him. But the first time I really took notice of the guy was was in the N.W.A uh as eli drake and it's it's essentially that character i mean there's not a lot of change he's doing the eli drake character which is just him um and it's getting over huge i mean there's no um no doubt about it but um i gotta say i don't know that i'm completely sold um you know i do not i don't know how much of it is um you know, I don't know what the word is for it, you know, mass hysteria. <laughs> you know, I just think it's like it's become a thing. And so that's how people
1: get over though.
0: Yeah, but um I don't know. I like the guy. I think he's super talented. Um, I, I don't see him in, in a main event role in WWE. I don't see him um, you know, could could he could he get a, a main event um match here or there yes i i think he's better than than his current positioning and i think he's going to move into a position that is more suited to him um in an upper mid mid card uh act uh i i don't see him at at the tippity top of of wwe
1: right but no and i i don't disagree with you but i also think that's the mistake that people are making who, who are dismissing him and saying, well, you can't build around this guy. He's 40 years old. He's this, he's that. How many more years does he have in the tank and whatever? I get that, but I, I'm not even saying that he doesn't need to be the guy. He doesn't need to be like Steve Austin or, you know, he doesn't need to be somebody. He doesn't well, – a better example is John Cena. He doesn't need to be a John Cena who's going to be like the top guy for 12 years or whatever. I'm just saying, you know, break him through – Definitely establish him as a bona fide main eventer, where he's a guy who's in the mix. He's a guy who fans see at uh, you know, give him a world title reign or two, like establish it. Really? Yes, absolutely, establish yeah. him as somebody who's in the mix. I'm not saying he's going to be the the guy. Like I look at a Cody Rhodes and I go, he could be the guy that carries the company. I don't necessarily see that for La Knight, but what I do see is a main event player, a guy. Who's up there with the rest of them? Who's at the level of a Seth Rollins and a Roman Reigns and a Brock Lesnar and a Cody Rhodes? Who's like in that rarefied air? Absolutely, yes.
0: Based on what? What do you see and and what do fans see in him? I know he's a great talker. He's a, you know in, in in a lot of ways. I think the appeal is that he's um, he's kind of a throwback, right? I mean he's he's a he's a good looking guy with a, a good body and mm-hmm. really good mic skills and is fine in the ring,
1: right? He he's the example of the, he's the classic WWE star. It almost makes you wonder, like it's like where's he been all this time? You know, they, what took yeah, him so he had long? Him years
0: ago, and and
1: and Vince McMahon had him last year to want
0: him to be a manager, right? Uh, he's because
1: I I think he might be a little on the small side. Maybe that's that's usually what they say to the guys that yeah. are a little on the small side, like the Adam Coles and stuff. I think he's tailor made for their product. Okay. You know, yeah, he's not going to have the five star matches every time, but to me, he's somebody like, and I'm not saying he's the rock or Steve Austin, but he combines elements of what made those guys work. And I know like Kevin Nash kind of had a whole thing where he was citing that as a negative on his podcast, like that he's derivative or that he's a knockoff or a ripoff. And, I don't deny that there's elements that are in there, but everyone does that. Everybody takes things from other people and make it work. Like, I think what people respond to him about him is his confidence. He has a kind of a swagger about him. He's got very, you know, good catchphrases. You can't deny that those things, they work getting people to respond to that kind of stuff. I mean, look, I, I personally hate this, but half of what, Seth Rollins has going on right now is that people like to sing his song. I mean, like, that's yeah. a major part of why he's so over right now. And so I think, like, an LA night, he comes out there. And he's just got, you know what it is, he's got like an it factor, those things that are hard to articulate, that you know it when you see it, that yes, people like Austin and Rock had, where you just see them and you go, Steve Austin, okay, he's a guy that's been mid-card for years, WCW kind of treated him as he's the TV champion, but he's got something that's not being capitalized on. And I think I'm not saying that LA Knight is Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he's got something in that regard that like has been overlooked for years and years that just he walks out there and there's a connection with people. There just is.
0: I I think the the really cool thing about his story is that he is the one guy who survived um, working with Bray Wyatt. Right, you know, because, and that's really where where this I thought that was the end originated, of right? I mean, yeah. like, and the idea was that he was just going to be fed to Bray Wyatt, um, and and even when they picked him as like the the, the first like opponent for for Bray in this latest run, it was like really I was like, night that it was so odd," but he got camera time and he got mic time and, and he stole those segments. Right. Yeah. And, then, and I think
1: that's when the bloom was already coming off the rose with Bray Wyatt was because right? of that. And partly.
0: they had the horrendous match at, at the, at the Royal rumble <laughs> and then Bray's gone. And everybody, you know, I was, I was in, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger place that even more than, than money in the bank, um, that, that i thought was a, a a huge mistake was the uh the andre the giant memorial battle royal in la you know uh, uh in, in the building and 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 i was there for for it the, the smackdown before uh wrestlemania and everybody's just going crazy for for la night you're you're in los angeles you know does bobby lashley really need to to win that battle royal it, it doesn't mean much of anything but it, it would have been an you know a, a little feather in his cap and and giving him a little boost that that was um yeah. and and that's the kind of thing that you could absolutely give to to la Knight.
1: of course bobby lashley shouldn't have even been in the battle royale right. let alone to know, win it bray
0: wyatt <laughs> another guy who did right. who did not survive uh bray wyatt thanks so much brian uh before we head out of here and I'm, I'm sent to the interview uh uh anything pr- promote how's how's the gorilla monsoon book
1: coming it's going really really well. I I actually I'm excited to say I was just able to interview Bret Hart for the book, mm. which is that is that right. was such a, a great thing. I have to thank Ross Hart for that because I'd been talking to his brother Ross for a while now. He was one of the first people I interviewed for the book and who I knew through mutual friends and he was able to connect me to Bret. And um I'm I'm even hoping, well I, I don't even want to jinx it, but I'm hoping that there might even be a chance that he might be able to write the forward to the book oh, because, wow. that, as people know, the connection is that Gorilla Monsoon gave him Our the nickname Excellence yeah. of Execution, and not only that, but when we got to talking, you know, I really learned how much Gorilla Monsoon really championed Brett Hart in the company. He had a history I think that with came
0: through in, in the yes. commentary because you know, Br- Brett was um, very much a mid-carter, you know, we talked about Jey Uso, half of a tag team. And whenever Gorilla was on commentary, he really, you know, made the point that this guy is something special.
1: Yeah, even when he was a heel, and even he, when he was part of a tag team, he still put him over. He, you know, he had a history with the Hart family. If people people may not know, um, in early in his career, Gorilla Monsoon wrestled in Stampede for Stu Hart, and there was a cl- and he 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 like got stretched in the dungeon by Stu Hart. Like there was a connection there, and he never forgot it he always put over the heart family on commentary. If people remember, like he always talked about Stu and Helen Hart. And to the point where he manifested it almost into like a storyline, he constantly talked about them. So anyway, like I I was very, very grateful to get a chance to talk to him about what gorilla meant to him. So that'll be like one of the cornerstone interviews of the book for sure. I'm in the process of just transcribing countless interviews right now. So I'm hopeful that, very soon, I'll be able to start the actual writing of the book, which, you know, as people, anyone who's written a book like this knows, it takes a long time before you get to that point. So I'm getting there.
0: Are you uh, an otter.ai guy for uh,
1: transcribing? Yes. Yeah. So for the chic book, I didn't use it at all because I tried it once and I was very unhappy with the results because it got all the names wrong and so much of the wrestling terminology wrong. You got to go over it. So what I did with the sheet book is I did everything by hand and everything myself. It took a very long time. What I'm doing, what I decided to do this time is I'm using Otter AI to transcribe the interviews. I'm sure this is fascinating. To people. I'm, <laughs> yeah. us- I'm using Otter AI to transcribe the interviews and then going back in them and running through them with the audio and fixing mistakes, which sounds like it takes about just as much time as before, which it probably does but it's less mental anguish and aggravation than having to type out every single word yourself. So that's what I'm doing now with the gorilla book. (laughs) Yes, I very much agree. I've I've used
0: it for many a a hot seat interview and usually um, the stuff that needs correcting is me and not the, uh, the interviewee. uh, Trinity is a good example. Everything she said came through perfectly in Otter uh, AI. My questions were a garbled mess. But right. um, so looking forward to that. That's going to be a, a, a great book. Uh, you. You, you have a thought? I mean, you think a year or uh, how long yeah. before it's out there? Well,
1: all I can say is that the due date for the manuscript is next May. Now, okay. I don't have a date for the publication of the book, but just judging by that and judging by even if I built in, if I needed a couple of extra months, I would say it's either you're either looking at the end of 2024 or maybe early 2025 at the latest. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, wow, well, that's a big commitment. Well,
0: very excited yep. about that one. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. Um, and uh, you can follow us both uh, on Twitter. Our Twitter handles are uh, down below, Alcastle PWI, Brian R. Solomon, and of course, at OfficialPWI. Right now, let me throw an interview that I conducted with the Stars of, of Stars, uh, Heel uh, series, Heels, uh, which is available on Stars. Uh, it is uh,
1: Stephen Amel and Alexander
0: uh, Ludwig. Have you ever watched Heels, uh, Brian?
1: I've never seen it. I mean, I, I've, 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 I've always been meaning to and wanting to, but I've never actually checked out the show.
0: Yeah, I had never seen episode until after I did this interview, and it was this interview that that got me interested in. it. So we, we got the DVDs, and and I'm uh, most of the way through season one, and uh, a fun show, a very like uh, respectful take on on pro wrestling. So uh, check it out, uh, and check out my interview right here with Alexander Ludwig and Stephen Amell. All right, what's up, Alexander? What's
2: up, Stephen? How you doing, man? How you doing, Al?
0: Good, good. So I'll, I'll jump to it. Obviously, we're coming from the the pro wrestling magazine uh, industry, so that's what we're, we're interested in talking to you about. Uh, Steven, you're one of ours. Uh, I think I think kind of officially adopted into the pro wrestling family. But I'll ask you some some uh, both some wrestling blade questions. You know, the, the the one thing that I think is really fascinating about heels is this whole idea of. Um, how the the person who's portrayed as a villain on on television might be a decent person. The person who is uh, the, the baby face on television maybe not not so much. Um, I don't I know how much both of you have some experience here, but 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 maybe you in particular, Stephen. I mean, has that been your experience being around some folks and not not to speak ill of, of baby faces who maybe aren't so great? But have you have you found at least maybe some villains on TV who are actually really sweet guys?
3: Yeah, no. It's listen. I've been so fortunate. Almost everyone that I have, I can, I, I, I can't even really think of an exception. I I at one point in time thought Roman Reigns was a little bit standoffish back in 2015, but I talked to Cody about it and he was like, no no no, that's it, that's that's his process. The guy couldn't be more of a sweetheart. So I've been very very fortunate that any interaction that I've had in the business, um, you know, Legends Hall of Famers, new guys, up and comers. Um, everyone is everyone's so pleasant and the moment that you do something or you show you do something either in the ring or in a public forum you show just a just a basically like a tacit amount of respect for the business it's like you're you're in forever and you're treated like you're treated like you're you're treated like you're one of them and i'm sure alexander the next time that you go to a wrestling event just because of how i think how 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 much respect this show shows to professional wrestling, you'll get the same treatment. Believe me. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and Alexander for, for you, I mean, what what is that acting challenge of uh, of there being so many levels on, on one hand, being a hero to fans, on other hand, having this other side of you uh, that maybe makes that something of a hypocrite. And, you know, did did you watch wrestling to study where maybe some people um, have, have been just that character?
2: I wasn't really indoctrinated into like wrestling the way that, that Steven was, but I did watch it as a kid. Uh, Like, you know, edge was my, my favorite and Adam ended up being Mm -hmm. uh, liking. So we're, we're very close friends. And I've heard so many stories uh, from him about his experience, including, Actually, Dwayne Johnson as well, when I was 16, I remember him telling me stories of what it was like behind the scenes or what it was like when you start shooting, you know, and, 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 and things don't go as, as planned. And mm-hmm. to me, that was always fascinating. Um, the characters that I've always been drawn to are, are flawed. And, you know, Ace is dealing with a serious identity crisis. So uh, both in the ring and in real life. Um, and I, and I love that. And I think most people are flawed. Um, there is a good person in there, but you don't get to see it. I will say in my experience, and Stephen has a lot more than I do, uh, in, in the pro wrestling world, but the, the heels I've met are, are, and funny enough, actually in acting as well, they're usually some of the nicest guys mm-hmm. in the world, right? Um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah. funny how that works sometimes, but, um, it's been such an honor. And I, I think you're all nuts. I tell Adam that too. I think this the world is absolutely yeah. insane. Um, and I have so much respect for everybody who does it because it is it's an art in its own way and it's a huge performance. And it's uh I mean, I can barely last, you know, five minutes, <laughs> minute, let alone. It's just the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. And and I'm here for it. You know, we want to do right by by the community to do the best we can.
3: Yeah. yeah. By the way, that's one of that's one of the things that 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 I hear people lament nowadays. That friends of mine the into business, there are no true heels anymore. There's like there's like one, like MJF is is like. I, a true so heel I was thinking. Right now. Well, I think we it's mentioned like, the other right, one. Right, but, but like, Roman's yeah, up there. yeah, Roman's 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 up there, but but there's still nowadays. It's like you want to be a heel, but you want to be the cool heel,
2: not MJF. He just wants people <laughs> to hate him. You know I it's funny. Him. Did I ever tell you I talked to him on the phone? He he. He did tell me. Yeah, he's he's yeah. acting a, a little bit as well. We got to get him in the show. Fun. Uh,
3: you know what? It, it would have been it would have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier about six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> he's blown. He's blown up.
0: I, I, I know oh, we got to wrap here, but, but Stephen, because you you mentioned uh, some of this, I, I'd be remiss if if I didn't ask you um, uh, uh, about. You know, celebrities in wrestling, and it feels like you were among that first group to take it seriously, sure. you know, coming off of the ears of Jay Leno and some people are sort of half making fun of it. Now you see the Logan Pauls of the world and Bad Bunnies who are really pushing it to another level. You know, what can yeah. you say about that and, and, and why do you think that is that you've got this new breed of celebrity wrestler that we're, will really go all in?
3: Well, I'd like to think that I played like a I played like a small part in kind of in kind of shifting it. Right? I just think that wrestling wrestling fans and crowds have have always been I think they have always been quite sophisticated. But but now there's just no like there's no there's there's no fooling them, right? Like if you're going to introduce someone and they're going to be a part of the product, um, if if they're not all in, they're going to get booed out of the building, and mm. no one wants their no one wants their no one wants their client to. No one wants their client to be embarrassed. It's like if you're if your agent's pushing you to host Saturday Night Live, but you're not funny, then you have a bad agent. And, and I, I just think that nowadays, people, if they're going to approach WWE or AEW, um, they're going to have to be like, okay, well, here's the new standard, right? Like the standard is Logan Paul and, and Bad Bunny. Um, like that's the standard. Are you up for that? Because if you're not, then just don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Good luck on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Take care.